These are your morning announcements. The Retro Club is meeting today to discuss the Breakfast Club. And John Bender, please report to the principal's office again. Hello and welcome to the Retro Club. We're your host Megan and John, very and, much John. Uh huh. Bald John. <laughs> yeah, I you are bald. Were you bald the last episode we did? No, I didn't shave it all off yet. Oh, he's bald now. <laughs> yeah, I am clean shaven. I know. I call you and our child a bunch of baldies. I know. <laughs> so, and she's precious. She is very precious. And I love you her. are. Bald. Anyway, how is your week? What the fuck? <laughs> what? Sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. Before we jump into our episode. We had a lot going on this week. Just I know. Back from vacation. Yeah, I feel like we had a lot going on. It was really nice. Very nice. We ended up going to essentially Cincinnati. It was like outside of Cincinnati. But we took our daughter to the zoo and the aquarium. Oh, man. And it was a really fun time. She loved the hippos. Mm-hmm. We got, she, <laughs> it, the hippos, and what else did she get hyped for? I don't even remember. Well, the aquarium, it was the water tunnel. The elephants was one of the first oh, yeah, things the, uh, you showed her. The elephants. Mm-hmm. Now, the aquarium, I don't know if she knew what to do with all the water. <laughs> she seemed very perplexed by all the fish and water everywhere. It was so nice. That's the nicest aquarium I think we've been to. Mm-hmm. That's in Newport, Kentucky, though. So anyone in that area, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Also, that was the place where we had that really amazing German cuisine. Ooh, House. My gosh. Mm-hmm. I could talk about that place for the next <laughs> 20, 30 years of my life and still miss it. You know, I took... German in high school and a little right. bit in college. Uh, don't ask me to speak it. I was told I have really good dialect when it comes to it. And now <laughs> I like feel like I shouldn't say anything in German because I'll get judged. You're but, a speech major, though. No, I'm an English major. Um, let's That's say speech. Different. English let's say literature. Speech. <laughs> um, you enunciate well. Anyway, I took German and I like German foods and German culture. And I wasn't sure if John was like into it. So I... <laughs> Had the whole day set up to be like a surprise. You I mean, did really good though. You knew we were going to the zoo and the aquarium, but as far as like the in between stuff, so I had that uh, slotted for lunch, and I was so worried that you're gonna be like German food. <laughs> I know I was playing with the baby, and then uh, I looked up and I was like, "Whoa, check that place out!" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, I'm so relieved." Yeah, <laughs> that's actually where we're gonna have lunch. Mm-hmm. They had really good food and really good beer. <laughs> Their beer was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I picked up three different uh, types and yeah. brought them back for my friend Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, my what else? gosh, <laughs> that cream puff. I've been thinking about that thing for the last couple of days. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> um, oh, something else that was really cool about that place was the, uh, the Stein Vault. Yeah, they had a wall of steins that belonged to uh, 
people, just patrons that come there mm-hmm. and they get to lock it up in this like cage thing. So they have their own special beer stein. And they have their own their own key. The company has no key. They cut the lock. If they don't come back or something. Yes, or they don't want to be a member of the club anymore. Oh, sad. But it was cool. There was like a ton of them. Which yeah, I thought that was great. It's a little bit of a drive for us. We can't put our own stein on the wall, but <laughs> oh well. Um, what else did we have going on? I think that was really... We went to Milan. Yes. Anyone who's a fan of the movie Hoosiers. <laughs> which I am. I would... Jeez. <laughs> we came across what a, a tiny accident. town. Yeah, it... We actually turned in for lunch on our way home, not the same day. This was like our, another, our travel back. But another thing you just happen to be able to do. Mm-hmm. You have like freak luck when it comes to just, <laughs> hey, you want to go get lunch? Yeah, we, I don't know. We were about <laughs> halfway home. We're like, eh, it's like lunchtime. We should stop and turned into this random little town. It was actually Sunmen and then yeah. past Sunmen is Milan. And yes, I know it's spelled Milan. Yeah, because well, I, I said it was Milan too. <laughs> this is Indiana, so it's pronounced Milan there. And very quaint little town. Yeah, and they had a sign up that just said Hoosiers Museum this way, and we're like, hello. <laughs> I begged you to go to it too. Mm-hmm. It was really nice, and the woman there was really nice. And the museum was cool. I, we got to watch the actual Milan Miracle, mm-hmm. which is still like a big thing. Like no other schools ever come close to it because that school was so small. Like it is the true definition of an underdog story, mm-hmm. a, a state championship in 1954. They'd be a, a very large and well-known uh, high school mm-hmm. in the championship game. And actually a high school, it doesn't exist anymore, but from Terre Haute, it was Gerstmeyer. Yes. They went to the semifinals with them and lost in the semifinals. That was the craziest thing I've I saw when we were looking at the wall when she told us that they played Gertzmeyer. I was like, Gertzmeyer? Like Gertzmeyer and Terre Haute? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the odds? <laughs> and we told her, like, we're from that place. <laughs> right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. Like, I'm not a big sports fan. I mean, I like going to live games and watching it, but I don't follow them super close. But it I'm was still interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was still interesting to go and see. Seeing that history really, it just, it put a good feeling on me. Mm-hmm. Like getting to watch the actual championship game and seeing the shot that would become the legend shot. Mm-hmm. Like it launched all kinds of cool myths and legends out of that. Mm-hmm. And then the whole movie Hoosiers is based around that shot. Yeah. Maybe we'll discuss Hoosiers one day if you're not familiar with the movie. We are 100% going to discuss Hoosiers. Okay. <laughs> but today, not today. Today, we're going to be discussing, actually, the movie we're going to discuss is kind of what sparked the name of our podcast. Um, When we were going through and actually trying to come up with names, it's so hard to find something original because a lot of stuff is taken. And for like other stuff, not movie podcasts or anything like that, I'm like, why are you using that name? That's so weird. Even then, like some of the names like are like on podcasts that have been dead for like three and four years. Mm Mm-hmm. But you still can't use it because... Right, out of respect. Yeah, and it could say uh, soon to be active again and stuff like that. Yeah. So our podcast name we actually kind of got from this movie is what we settled on. And I say settled on. We're happy with the name of our podcast. I mean, we like what what it turned into and stuff. It just... Man, that was probably the hardest part was coming up with a freaking name. It really was. The movie we're covering today is The Breakfast Club. 
And... Dun, dun. Hey, hey. Oh. Hey. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Ooh. Oh, you probably Whoa. can't sing much more. <laughs> I have to pay royalties if you sing much more. I That's bet. why I only kept it under five <laughs> seconds. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll give you a couple, a little bit of stat. Go ahead. Movie. I'm ready for it. If you're not familiar with The Breakfast Club, first of all, what? <laughs> like, how can you not? Especially <laughs> if you're a fan of nostalgia, especially people that love the 80s. Like, this is the quintess- one of the quintessential 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Especially well, Molly Ringwald alone. I was going to say, uh, I guess I'll just go ahead and jump into it now. So, this movie came out in 1985. It actually came out February 15th, 1985. Three so, days before my birthday. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, and it was directed and the screenplay was written by John Hughes. Now, I feel like... When I think of 80s, I think of John Hughes movies. Yeah, so, Weird Science, 16 Candles, he just Mr. Mom. S- such a good job of writing, I don't know, teenagers in, in the 80s. Yeah, not just that. Like He wrote like Great Outdoors and movies like that. Uncle Buck. Didn't he do ooh, Ferris Bueller? I think No, he, that was um, crap. No, yeah, he did. He did do Ferris Bueller. Yeah, because uh, they go to the Chicago Cubs game and he... It was specific that it had to be a Chicago Cubs game because John Hughes is a huge Cubbies fan, mm-hmm. like yours truly. I feel well. Oh, you too. You're a Cubbies fan. I'd like to talk about Ferris Bueller one day, but I feel like that was almost a little darker than what. No, okay, not really. And we'll touch on it here when we talk about some of the scenes in Breakfast Club. But I think it got a little dark in Breakfast Club too. So yeah, but Ferris Bueller was meant to be like a lot darker than what it ended up being, um, from what I've heard. We'll talk about it one day. <laughs> the original script for it's pretty dark. I've seen, I've, I've read some of the original script. A Ferris Bueller? Yes. Mm-hmm. They had to tone so, a lot of it down because people really don't know where John Hughes' head was for that. That's why I, I feel like originally it was one of his darker movies, but it ended up getting changed a lot. So there are some parts of every one of his movies where it gets kind of dark. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said, we'll, even home alone, we'll touch on it later here in breakfast club. Cause I feel like there are some serious parts that are discussed in the movie, but right. They're kind of light. They're taken in a lighthearted way. I don't know. Um, all right. So lighthearted. What a great word. <laughs> the movie, it had a budget of $1 million, which wow. Only a million? A million, only a million, yes. Which in today's money would be about two point seven million, two point seven six million. Wow, that's damn near like an independent film. Yeah, it wasn't a lot, considering that its box office was fifty one million. That's, so that's gonna be monster money. Yeah, a hundred and forty million six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. On a budget wow. of two point seven million, so, so that, you can't not call that a hit. No, that's insane money. That's just at the theater too, Meg. It was actually five point five million, so even more than that. I mean, still, it that what's another half a million at this right. point? <laughs> uh, some of the actors and man, seeing them today, some of them did not age well. The one of them being <laughs> Judd Nelson, yeah, who plays he had, John Bender. He had some bad drug issues. Yeah, he looks not good. Uh, Molly Ringwald plays Claire, and she's had work done. Yeah, she's got like a pulled face now. Yeah, it's str- I don't know. Ali Sheedy, who's 
excellent in She's every great way. In everything. <laughs> I know. Who plays Allison? She was so pretty. Uh, she still is. If you see her now, she's aging gracefully. I'm sure she's had work well, that's done. That's good. But... As long as you don't have to have work done, just age. Just yeah. everybody gets older. Yeah, like Anthony Michael Hall who plays Brian. <laughs> he actually looks super young still. Yeah, he doesn't look that bad. Like for we his saw age. him. Yeah, we saw him in what was that? Halloween Kills. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, Emilio Estevez plays Andrew. Yeah, I loved him in the new Mighty Ducks show, by the way. Oh. Very sad he didn't come back for the second season. Yeah, he only did the first season. Uh, Paul Gleason is the principal, the principal. Principal Vernon. And then you've got John Capellos. Capellos? I'm not sure if I'm I saying that I think it's Capellos. Right. He plays Carl the janitor. <laughs> also another guy known for the John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple people who are... Uh, credited for the brothers sisters mom dads but right you literally see them for five seconds yeah you really only get like i think what is it seven characters in the movie total like on screen for multiple t- shots yeah there's seven and they only have build right here uh 15 yeah 15 people. and that's that's probably the parents dropping them off and picking them up yeah parents a sister and mo- so Brian's mom and sister, you do see. Right. You see Andrew's father, Claire's father, and Allison's father. Right. Technically, Allison really you she don't just gets see ditched. <laughs> Freaking um, car speeds off <laughs> after almost hitting uh, John Bender. And you know the runtime. First of all, this movie is rated R. Yes. And its runtime is an hour and thirty seven minutes. That's something we haven't covered this whole time: is ratings on movies. Which is weird, but I this know, is I don't know why we didn't do that. I just saw it and I'm like, why don't I say it? But because we can talk about that because honestly, this movie, it's a high school movie. And when you think of like high school movies, you don't think of like the quintessential like high school, like love stories and stuff like that. Like for the 80s, mm-hmm. you're talking high school movies. Everybody expects like Porky's uh-huh. or movies like, almost like uh, Revenge of the Nerds, Animal House, stuff like that. Just people in school, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of debauchery and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it is labeled as a drama teen is what it's categorized as, which I guess does have some drama. Yep. And I'll go ahead and give you a quick synopsis and then we jump in. Hit me with it. If it sucks, I'll give you a better one. Well, I think this is coming from Wikipedia, so get mad at them. It says five high school students from different walks of life endure a Saturday detention under a power hungry principal. The desperate group of individuals, I'm sorry. The desperate group includes Rebel John, Princess Claire, Outcast Allison, Brainy Brian, and Andrew, the jock. I don't know why it said it like that. (laughs) Andrew, the jock. Each has a chance to tell his or her story, making the others see them a little differently. And when the day ends, they question whether school will ever be the same. That's accurate. Uh, Yeah, it's okay. I feel like it could have been worded a little better. Yeah, it could have been. Um. Yeah, I mean that's pretty on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's that's accurate. That's that's the movie. The end. So we'll go ahead and ra- <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, yeah, if you just want to jump into the movie itself, uh, do we want to start from the beginning or do we want to? I mean, I, we'll start from the beginning, and kind of highlight our favorite parts yeah. as we go along. So I love the kids getting dropped off. Mm-hmm. It opens up with Brian doing a voiceover, though. Doesn't it open up with his, and end with his voiceover? 
it ends with his voiceover. I don't know if it starts with it. I thought it started. I didn't it, notice it until recently. I swore it started with it, and I never noticed no, there's it a before. Qu- there's a quote, and then it gets shattered. Yeah, but I we'll have to watch it again. I have we. It's been a little bit since we've seen it, but at the last time I saw, it, I remember it standing out to me because I'm like, I don't remember Brian reading the letter in the beginning. But it's like he starts to read it, and then the movie it goes into the actual movie, and then it ends with him finishing the letter, like reading the whole letter. Okay. I'll, we'll, we'll have to watch it again. Okay. Because I, I... I don't remember that, but I'm not going to deny it because there's some things you do miss because you've seen the movie so many times. Right. And that's why you go back and watch movies the way we do and watch them <laughs> dozens of times because we always catch something, usually catch something new. Right. So we're in good old Shermer, Illinois. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kids are being dropped off. Which doesn't exist. Shermer is not a real place. I know. Sad, but in case anyone was wondering, Shermer is not. We'll, we'll a real cover place. that later. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the kids are getting dropped off. Uh, I don't know who shows up first. Probably Brian because uh, punctuality. Yes, I. If I remember, it's Brian first. Mm-hmm. The last then, ones are John and John and Allison. Uh, Allison. Yeah, uh, Claire gets dropped off and. You're already getting like a feel for all the kids anyway. Like Brian's mom is very attentive. Very upset with him for doing something that could have like just ruined his scholarship. Yeah. Well, his chance at like college and things like that. Um, Because she even tells him, she's like, well, you find a way to study, mister. When he's like, mom, we can't. Right. He's a brain. (laughs) Yeah. So you already see the pressure he kind of has on his shoulders from his mom. Um, I don't think you get a ton of interaction between Claire and her dad. He's just, I don't remember the interaction between them, which is probably telling too. The crazy thing is she like very, very fast tries to ask him why he couldn't get her out of it. Yeah. So she's privileged is what she is. Right. Yeah. And then Andrew's got his full ride on the line. Mm-hmm. But you can tell his dad might have been Jerk. a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because his dad just calls it screwing around. Guys just screw around. Yeah. But he got caught. Mm-hmm. Which is a shitty thing to say to your kid. Right. Um, Allison <laughs> says nothing. Just gets out of the car and looks in the window. And they just speed and off. drive off. And then Bender walks through. Oh, Bender walks in before Claire, right? Because doesn't the car almost hit him and he just keeps walking? Yeah, but isn't that Allison's... Th- or is that the end? Isn't that Allison's parents that almost hit him? I don't remember. Possibly. It's one of them. Yeah, something happens. Might have been Claire's. That may have been it, where he walks in front of Allison's <laughs> car and then she... Whatever, those two are like, mm, okay. <laughs> um, they file into the school, into the library is where they are instructed to go. And... Uh, you get to meet the principal. Yeah, you get to meet Vernon, who is not a fun guy. <laughs> Richard. Yeah. Uh, everyone gets to unpack, and he tells them, how long is the detention? How long does he tell them they have? Isn't it like eight hours or something ridiculous? Yeah, it's it's pretty much a school day. Only it's on your Saturday. Yeah, and you can't do anything. It just sucks. They're just supposed to s- spend their time there. Like, that's going to do anything. Reflecting on what they've done. <laughs> and then write a essay mm-hmm. about what they're going to do to 
change things and what they've done wrong, what they could have done to prevent it and all that stuff. Yeah, he does give him paper and pen, a pencil and tells him to write that stupid essay. And they have eight hours to do it, so plenty of time to think it over and and write out stuff. Um, he's a piece of crap. Honestly, the, the principal, he's, you can tell he's, they were right in the synopsis that he is just kind of power hungry yeah. and he feels like he's untouchable because of his position. He's, I don't know. Like he's a guy that demands respect, but you can tell he just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And it really bothers him. Yeah. And no one takes him seriously because he makes a, a jerk of himself all the time. All the time throughout that whole damn movie. Right. The movie itself, the whole setting is just in that one afternoon uh, or morning, I guess, technically into the afternoon. And we were just talking about this earlier with my sister is that it's weird because it is kind of a slow going movie. It's like a slow burn. Right. But it's so dramatized throughout the whole thing. And there are moments that catch you in the movie. Mm hmm. Because the principal, of course, they're supposed to sit there and not talk and not say anything and work on this paper. But immediately the first thing he does is leave and shuts the door and lets them like to their own devices. So he doesn't care. Whatever. As long as they don't leave that room for the most part, then he's fine. It, things start really like picking up with the characters right away, too. Mm-hmm. Andrew and John really don't get along. No. It's... <laughs> And then Claire doesn't see the point in why she's there at all. Mm. And she, I think she even makes that point known to the principal. Oh, yeah. She says she doesn't understand why she's there. <laughs> Allison's just sitting there quiet in the back. Awkward. Say being super awkward. And emo. Um, the first thing that happens, though, I think, don't they... Bender's the one who gets up and starts, like, walking around and messing with everybody, right? Right, he uh, takes the screw out of the door, and it slams. Right, okay. And then the principal comes back in all super mad, wanting to know what the heck happened. And <laughs> this movie's super quotable, like, from beginning to end, it really is. How come Andrew gets to get up? <laughs> if he gets up, we we'll all get, get up. up. It'll, It'll be, be anarchy! anarchy. <laughs> um... Oh, and then he's like, who who took the screw out? Or whatever. he's like, screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. I say that all the time. And that's, I know. I'm just like, the world's an imperfect place. <laughs> it comes from this freaking movie. He might be the most quotable character of any movie. Like, John Bender has some very memorable lines. It's really the conversation between him and the principal. Between those two, I feel like that that's the most quotable parts of the movie. But the principal makes... Andrew get up to get hold the door open. Oh, first he tries to put that folding chair on the door and he's like, Sir, that chair is or <laughs> that door's too way too heavy. <laughs> and it just shoots out like a rocket. <laughs> after screaming the... in the hallway. Damn it. <laughs> um so then of course he asks the jock to get up and help him and pull mm -hmm. that magazine. That big um, rack. Yeah, the rack into the door and he's like, What if there's a fire? <laughs> I know, just stirring the pot. Uh, being a super jerk. Um, and then uh, yells at Andrew like it's his yeah. fault. What are you doing? What are you doing? I was expecting a lot more from a varsity letterman. <laughs> Makes him push it out of the way. Uh, so you can already tell the principal, he's dumb. He doesn't care. And 
will blame everything on everyone but himself. Right. Uh, but him and Bender are obviously super close because he imme- the principal immediately blames him and says it's his fault. And right away. he knows it's him. He's like, I don't know how, but I know you did it. <laughs> he gets to see him every weekend. Yeah, and definitely this is not something that would fly today. Like, absolutely no way. Because he talks about, he's like, do I have to pull you out of that chair and shake the shake it out of you? Right. And talks about, like, putting hands on him and stuff like that. No way. That would not happen. Hey, back in the day, like, stuff was so different. I feel like that was even uncalled for, though. When you went, like, in elementary school, when you got in trouble and you ever went, did you ever go to the principal's office for anything? Um, I got to talk to him about someone else that got in trouble. I have like this crazy flashback. I only got in trouble really one time in like fifth grade and the teacher humiliated me, like made me stand up in front of the class and call my mom right there in front of the whole class on like the school phone. Yeah. And she made me cry. It was really awful. I know. I'm like, I'm breathing heavy now thinking about it. It was really bad. And it wasn't even me. It was the girl sitting next to me and she got me in trouble and she thought it was both of us. And I said, no, it's not me. Cause I had never gotten in trouble before. I was actually a very quiet kid. <laughs> and the wow. one time I did get in trouble, it was the most traumatizing thing that ever happened to me, <laughs> but it's okay. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to talk about uh, my principal when I was in elementary school, uh, Mr. Lauder, mm-hmm. who was a great guy. He uh, used to have a paddle that hung on his uh, wall right behind his uh, chair. Oh, so no. you saw it right away when you saw it when you went in there. Uh huh. And I remember a kid got in trouble, and a few of us that were in the class had to go in there and talk about what happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember staring at that, and even as like a real little guy, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna get whipped." No, <laughs> I didn't even do nothing. Did he ever actually use it when yes. you were there? Yes. Oh no. No, that wasn't happening when I was in school. The only time I was in the principal's office in high school was when I was an office worker and I got assigned to (laughs) the, I don't even think it was the principal. I think it was the dean's office. I saw some crazy people coming in and out of there that was like, man, you guys are. I did that too. (laughs) Office running. Yeah. (laughs) That stuff was crazy. Is that a thing at all high schools? We didn't go to the same high school. I mean, we're in the same town ish, but yeah. Is that just. Yeah, That's so, such a cop-out. They're like, you can help the main office. <laughs> yeah, it's so they don't have to go on the intercom and make a big deal of things, mm-hmm. trying to get people to come. And, you know, the office ladies ain't never going to get up to do anything. So No. So they had you running notes and pickups and drop-off. Like, you know, right. Stupid. <laughs> so you didn't have to be in class. I say it was stupid. That was actually one of my favorite parts same. of the day. It's <laughs> being an office runner. It, same. I <laughs> loved going and having to take notes to people, especially if I knew they had to go see the dean. Mm-hmm. Man, that just put a smile on my face. That's the room I sat in, so no one wanted to see me when I came because yeah. they knew I was coming from the dean's office. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But back to the movie, it... That's, I don't know. I feel like he definitely was over the top, though. Even to the point where I understand they started to build this friendship between the group of kids in there. But at that one point, Claire, like, steps in to try to stop the two of them. Because that's when he starts just, he's like, how, you can have another one. You'll be here next week. Yeah, just keeps giving him all these Saturdays. Two months worth. Because he said, for two months, I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. There's a whole lot of like different things that happen between these kids. 
I feel the movie just starts off really innocent and really right. childish. But as it goes on and you start to learn about the kid's background, that's when it actually gets really dark. And I didn't realize how dark and meaningful it was until yes. I got older. Because when I was, I remember the first time I really saw it, you, you were expecting a comedy, really. Mm-hmm. It's like high school kids in detention. What more could go wrong? Right. You're not expecting it to be this deep story where so many things are happening. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have a kid from each like different walk of life, uh, click in the school yeah. or whatever. So they shouldn't mesh together, but somehow they do. Um, cause the kids start to open up a little bit as time goes on. Cause they, they get to eat lunch together. And then that's when you get a little more insight into everyone. So you've got Claire who we taught, <laughs> Claire pulls out that freaking sushi and <laughs> yeah it's like one of the most upscale things you could have had especially in the 80s right like who at the time when i saw it i was like who's taking sushi to school for lunch like that seems so weird but now i'm an adult and i take sushi for lunch at work so i'm one of those people now <laughs> but she had like the super fancy one where it was on yeah, a, a tray custom wood box and all that and you'd be kidding yourself if i if I didn't tell you I got my sushi for $5 at Kroger, <laughs> that's where it comes from. That's where it's at. My favorite thing was Andrew's lunch. That, yeah. That bag just didn't end. He just brought that huge, it wasn't even like a, like a brown paper bag. That was an actual grocery bag, <laughs> like know. a paper grocery bag. He had like a whole bag, like a bat family bag of chips. Yeah, and- milk, two big sandwiches, cookies, donuts. That's like my typical meal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could never. <laughs> Back when you could just eat anything and just drop it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I like how it's so, it's funny because their lunches also kind of like represent who they are. So you have Prim mm-hmm. and posh, posh Claire with her sushi and Andrew with this huge lunch because he's the jock and has to eat a bunch and bulk up. Um, Brian is, his is all categorized and has all the food groups. So. Right. The PB&J automatically, with the crust cut off. Yeah. They assume right away that he's, uh, has milk in that thermos and it's soup. <laughs> it's soup. <laughs> um, oh, then freaking Allie Sheedy, no. man. <laughs> I still don't know what she put on that Captain sandwich. Crunch, uh, pixie sticks, and sugar. Yeah, because she took off the meat, whatever it was, that yeah, loaf. That mystery meat. And chucked it up against <laughs> And it just makes that slap noise. <laughs> I made a pop noise. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I meant to make a different noise. It she... makes a noise look more like that, doesn't it? Like a click. Like I just like how she's like rolling her tongue through her lips, like <laughs> and just throws it over her shoulder and it sticks the, to the statue. She even has that coke and she's just dumping those sticks into it. Oh, uh, because you thought it was. You told me you thought it was salt. I one time. thought it was salt. No, there. That has to be sugar. But it was <laughs> just they be. were just straws of sugar. Yeah, pixie sticks. Well, we're. I guess I don't know. I had never seen that before. But yeah, she eats sugar and Captain Crunch on white bread. Ugh, and she's crunching it so freaking loud. That bite. Is what gets me every time. <laughs> when she stares at everyone and mm-hmm. just <laughs> unhinges <laughs> that jaw. <laughs> um, and then Bender, I don't even think he has anything, does he? No, a Coke. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, it kind of gives you uh, more insight into their life a little right. bit. Just all the little nuances of the movie, you know. There's just so many cool things about these characters. Mm-hmm. It 
honestly, it's hard to just break the movie down piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Just jumping around, I think, talking about stuff would probably be really good for this one. That's what I was thinking. Uh, just because there's so many parts I want to get to. Like, then when they get to, they sneak out and they go to, uh, where are they trying to go? They go get uh, Bender's weed. That's where, yep, that's where they're going. And so they get to, like, talking in the hallway and, again, getting to know each other a little bit more. Um, Oh, man, and then they realize they have to get back because they come across Vernon. Yeah. Well, he... (laughs) And you get to Bender's locker, and it's got, like, the little guillotine in it. I know. <laughs> and it's disgusting. It's nasty. That bag of weed looks so freaking gross. <laughs> Greasy. Uh, shoves it in. Brian's underwear. Brian's underwear. Mm-hmm. And they have to take off. Back to the the library, because Vern... I, who, we don't know where Vernon was at this point. Was he in the basement with Carl? He went to go get another lunch, I think. Because he remember his, his coffee. <laughs> yeah, it shot out and while well, he was eating an orange. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he yeah. was he was defeated too. You could tell he was pissed. Uh yeah. But they're this is kinda like a bonding moment for all of them as a group because they're all Like Andrew's like this headstrong one. John mm-hmm. is the one that's been there. So you know he's been around the school. He knows what's gonna happen, what could happen. Yeah. He tries to warn them to keep him out of trouble. And he realizes, you know, they've run to a point where they can't get back. They come across the gated part of the school. Yeah, they took a wrong turn and can't get back to the library. So that's when John, you get to see a little bit of a lighter side to him. because The he good actually, side of him. He sacrifices himself so they can all run back to the library and he takes off. To he's the gym. <laughs> singing Airborne Ranger. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's running down the hall and like mm-hmm. slapping all the posters down. And because he know the thing is, and it's sad on a like a psychological level that he just knows he's he's screwed anyway. Like mm-hmm. he's no matter what he does, he's already got this target on his back and he knows that Vernon doesn't like him anyway. So how much worse can it get? <laughs> you know, the what part never gets brought up during that whole scene? Mm-hmm. The fact that he slam dunked that ball. I where does he get the shoes from? Is what I want to because I they always, had just been in the gym. I always remember him jumping out of the shoe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vernon kicking the back at him. Mm-hmm. The basketball. That's so funny. But this is actually okay. This is where it starts to get dark. Really dark, like one of the darker parts of the movie because Vernon takes him and locks him in a closet. And threatens him. And then tells the other kids that he's not going to be joining you for the rest of the day. And, um, yeah, he says, like, really awful things to him in that yeah. closet. He tells him to hit him. Like, Vernon says, punch Calls me, like, a, right here. a born loser and all that. Mm-hmm. And he's going to... Oh, I don't remember. He, like, takes his jacket off and is trying to square up with this kid. And you actually see, now that Bender's not in front of all the other kids, you actually get to see how... Not weak he is, but how scared he is. Yeah. Like, a lot of what he does is a facade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's definitely putting on a show for the other kids, but when he's alone with Vernon, you do get to see that, the power that he has over him, mm-hmm. I guess. It's a, it's a really dark part because you know that Bender is dealing with some degree of that at home with parents that don't care and also abuse him. And then you have this principal where he has, he has no safe place. He goes to school where he has a principal 
wanted to throw fists. Well, early in the movie, when uh, Andrew and John have the altercation, oh, mm-hmm. and he tells him, "I'd kill you." Oh, yeah. Which is also another show. I he wouldn't do that, right? But, but you have the scene where he shows him the scar on his arm for that he got from a cigar. Yeah, from his dad spilling paint in the garage. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And he starts talking about how abusive his dad really is. Talking about his stepmom getting beat by him and stuff. Yeah, and That's his really Christmas dark. present. Yeah, gets a pack of cigarettes and yeah, tells him to smoke up Johnny. Yeah, which messed up. It is, and seeing it from the kid's point of view, I don't know. I guess it depends on what age you are when you see the movie, because I feel different when I see it at different points in my life. But seeing it as a... I I don't know if I can say now, but I will say now, as an adult, watching it as an adult and seeing how the kids react, I'm like, they're so overreactive, and everything is like the end of the world, and they're very overdramatic. But... At the same time, I remember what it was like being in high school, right. and it did feel like the end of the world. <laughs> right, everything was, it was your first time experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, everyone's high school experience is different. Mine wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't great. I wasn't super involved in stuff, so I know that, like, I don't know, sometimes school felt miserable. Like, I hated being there, so... Yeah, I guess I can't hate on them too much. If you watch it as a teenager, you probably feel for them 100% because you're going through it at that moment. And as an adult, you're like, man, high school just came and went so fast. Like, you're never really going to remember it. Right. You have a lot of things that happened out of out of high school. Like, you just have memories. You have good ones. You have bad ones. Mm-hmm. There are things that, you know, you can't change. And this movie does a really good job of uh, kind of delivering that. Mm-hmm. It's not just all fun and laughs. You know, people aren't just talking about sex and stuff like that. This movie is, it's really deep. Mm-hmm. Like even someone like Ali Sheedy, they just call her the weird chick the whole time. You know, she's making like very beautiful drawings and using dandruff <laughs> to make snow for it. Always you know? remember that, yeah. <laughs> um, it does lighten up, though, after the scene in the closet. Bender, uh, once again, he's like, I got nothing to lose. And yeah, ends up, crawled through the freaking ceiling. Uh-huh. Breaks out and gets back to the library, falls through the mm. ceiling. And he's telling that joke, which I don't know if that's actually the punchline, is forgot my pencil. We'll talk about it. What does <laughs> we'll he say? A that. naked woman... Oh, yeah, is it going to be in the trivia? Joke. Oh, okay. I'll leave it alone then. Because I always wonder that. I'm like, is that really the punchline? Um, <laughs> and that's where you get this really kind of awful scene. It's actually not not good anymore. Uh, where he hides under the table and bites Claire's crotch. I think he just put his face in her crotch. I thought he like bit like i don't I know don't, i don't think he did that That's just because assault. of the sound effects i know but it, the sound effects at that point i thought i heard like a crunch all That's i because she crushed his head with her thighs i don't I crushed know. his head with her thighs the point is he did a not okay thing because he's still bender he didn't that talk in the closet didn't just like change his whole life it just gave you more insight into what he deals with every day right <laughs> you have that 
pretty good scene where Brian's uh, high. Mm-hmm. Well, that's they get to hang out in the library. This is where they're hanging out in the library, right? right? And then they're all sharing things they can do, stuff like that. You start seeing like the real side of Ali Sheedy. Mm-hmm. She starts talking about how she's a nymphomaniac. <laughs> she's a thief. She dumps her bag out and asks if anybody wants to see what's in it. Nobody wants to see what's in it. No. <laughs> she had so many tampons. It's, I don't know how. Tampons. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I don't know how anybody could have that many tampons. <laughs> well, you know, they sent. Oh, man. Now I feel terrible. When they sent the first woman to space, they sent her with like 100 tampons for a week. Oh, really? That's a real thing. You better look that up. And they're like, is that not enough? When she looked at them like they were crazy. They're like, is this is this not enough? <laughs> uh, um, anyway. It's gravity. There's she like can't control her flow. A whole comedy song about it. Anyway, that's not what we're here for. Um, yeah, they get high. And they get to hang out and actually have a little bit of fun. But it's such a roller coaster. That's one thing I noticed about this movie is like they all, they're all they all having a good time, but then someone's got to ruin it, usually Bender. Um, yeah, there's a lot of peaks and valleys, isn't there? Or, yeah, someone will make an off-color joke, and it's usually Bender. And then like someone... Claire like Claire doing her lipstick with her boobs. Yeah, and I don't even know the comment he makes, but I feel like she gets really offended about they it. all got really offended because he was a dick about it. Yeah, I don't remember what he said. Andrew can tape people's buns together. Oh, yeah. And that's <laughs> when it goes dark again after they all show their, like, fun little tricks. Oh, and Allie Sheedy is not, we keep calling her Allie, Allison is a pathological liar. She's not an infomaniac. Right. Because <laughs> she traps Claire with that question. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair. I think Andrew was, that was really sad when... He started talking about how he's just constantly living in his dad's shadow. Mm-hmm. And his dad just cast this big, big shadow over him where he can't get his own life. He's living his dad's dream. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's it's a good thing you get a kid from each kid from like a different clique or group of the high school because then, you know for people who weren't jocks or didn't do sports in high school, me, hi, you may not feel for his story as much, but you may feel for like Brian's story. Right. You know, it's for Allison. They each have their own, like really sad story as to why almost all of them have a sad story as to why they're there. So you were at least one of those kids in high school. So one of those stories is going to hit you hard. And you're like, I didn't identify with Claire. She's like, you don't understand what it's like to be popular and to try to keep up with all your friends. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> that wasn't me. I wasn't that kid either. Um, so I think I know, it's a good like her thing. Her and Andrew, are, they were kind of running sort of the same pack. Kind of, yeah. And Brian's kind of in his own little group. Mm-hmm. Brian's a very strong intellectual in this movie. And he take, he was so devastated about a grade. That's why he was there. Yeah, because he brought a gun to school. Now, flare gun. It was a flare gun. <laughs> but that's actually. Could you imagine if they tried to tackle that today in a movie? That would be such a touchy subject. <sighs> Ex- yeah, especially if they would have made that movie in the nineties because of Columbine and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. Just you couldn't do it. It it just sucks that any more. I feel like people are just getting desensitized to school shootings because they happen every week, every day. Yeah. Once South Park tackles it, it it becomes a real thing. (laughs) It 
Uh, that's not that's the truth. When South Park gets a hold of something, because it's so heavy in the news, it like they are really good about taking current events and bringing them to light. Mm-hmm. They touched on a lot of things I agree with and don't agree with, but they have their own take on it, whether it's appropriate or not. Well, and we had to deal, not we personally, but our town actually had to deal with something like it recently. Uh, Not a school shooting, but someone did show up to a school function with a gun and threatened another parent. And like that hasn't happened in Terre Haute yet. And it finally hit our town where someone, I mean, kids were screaming and running and hiding in classrooms because all of a sudden praying and yeah, you hear someone screaming gun in the audience and everyone takes off. Like that's terrifying. I know that was just at a basketball game. That's what's Mm -hmm. crazy about that. And that was here in our town. It hadn't hit Terre Haute yet. And now, unfortunately we were product of a statistic. So, yeah, you knew eventually this like Terre Haute was going to be, I know the way things are going here. Uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't see them tackling Brian bringing a gun. To, they would have to, so many people would think that was insensitive. I'm sure whatever yeah. they would say about it. Um, that causes another confrontation in the movie too, mm-hmm. between John and Brian, because Brian was upset that he failed shop. Oh yeah. And John is like a whiz in shop. Yeah. Doesn't he tell him like a monkey could do it or something? He makes some comment about how it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. It was a lamp, right? Right. Yeah, it was a lamp and the light didn't turn on. Mm-hmm. And so he failed He failed shop class or he got like a C or something. Yeah, he got a grade he really wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. He's a straight A student. And that might not be something you can, you know, people could associate with but if you are a straight a student and had parents that pushed you the way his parents did i mean he was willing to shoot up the school to avoid having to deal with that grade like how the he wasn't going to shoot kids. up the school he was going to he was going to do a self in oh at the school yeah oh he was never going to do anything to anybody else he talked about doing it to himself oh that's why he was crying about it I thought he was just going to like bring it to intimidate or shoot the school up no. or something. And then the damn thing went off in his locker. That's why he got attention. <laughs> Andrew's story was sad though. I mean, even though I wasn't a jock in school either, um, his it's story just, was sad just because of the way his dad treated him over it. Right. And that's a lot of pressure to have on somebody, you know, mm-hmm. his whole future is determined by him putting another person on the ground. Uh huh. And, you know, winning or losing. Mm-hmm. That's, that'd be a hard thing to live by. Yeah. And I don't remember why Claire was there. I, see, I can't remember I why she was there either. She just talked about being popular. So I'm wondering if the popular kids did something. They, they did something. And she obviously got in trouble for it. And Bender's always there. So we don't really get <laughs> any explanation for him. But it's Allison who shocks everyone when she said... I was just bored. I didn't do anything. Yeah, she didn't have anything going on. Had nothing else going on on a Saturday, so went to detention. <laughs> uh, she's so out there. But what was the uh, janitor's name? Do you remember? Carl. Carl. He was the school's man of the year mm-hmm. when he was in high school, and now he was the janitor. Yeah. Or master of the custodial arts. <laughs> that was a fun way to put it. Yeah. 
It just shows you how far you can fall, I guess. And he's the one that has, like, real knowledge. He knows everything that's going on in school. He's the one that tells Vernon. Vernon's the one that's making the mistake. Mm-hmm. The kids are the ones that are the future, not him. Right. He has a voice of reason in all of this. Right. And he catches Vernon going through other people's personal files. Private yeah, files. Just being a D-bag. <laughs> yeah, holding stuff up. It, well, he was just going to use it to hold it over people's heads. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole power thing again. So Carl just does him, man. You got 50 bucks? <laughs> um, yeah, it... You just, it ends with, well, it doesn't end with, but the kid, the, you finally get to see like this, after this huge fight, like all the kids fight because of why they're there and making Mm -hmm. fun of each other. It's like everything just kind of comes to a head. And then they sort of realize after hearing each other's stories that they're all in the same boat, even though different things got them there, they're all in the same boat at this point. So I think that's what solidifies the kind of friendship that they all end up having. Yeah, it's a bond. They might not see each other, hang out with each other after that, Mm -hmm. but they all share something. Yeah, because you do get two little romances going on, of course, with Claire and Bender. You've got the good girl and the bad Mm -hmm. boy you You had to put them. Allison and Andrew. But only after Allison has the makeover, which is kind of like, should have liked her for who she was, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Brian ends up writing... The essay for the whole group. Yeah. Is what he does. He ended up with someone, too. He had, he got his hand at the end of the day. Oh, John. His writing hand. <laughs> wow. Um, and then it ends with the uh, his voiceover, reading that letter out loud and telling him how stupid it was. Like, why would you ask us to write this? You know who we are. And, and Yeah, he's just... The, the thing about that letter at the end is it's so sincere. Mm-hmm. People only view them as the things that they are. Yeah, you're going to see us the way you want to see us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he won't see him any other way. He sees John Bender the way he's going to always see John Bender. Mm-hmm. A kid from the hard part of this city. And I comes think... from a broken home, and he's just going to always see him as a natural-born loser. And I think the point that Claire makes and kind of what you're left with in the movie if you really think about it and what's kind of sad is it probably didn't make an impact i mean after that day that memory is going to fade their friendship or whatever that camaraderie is going to fade and it'll just go back to the way it was eventually right you're gonna see another dark undertone of the movie yes you start seeing them kind of scatter away from each other at the end Mm mm-hmm they're on a better place. Even John. John has something different about him. He has something to look forward to, but he's still going to go home to his crappy situation at home. And He ends up with Claire's super expensive earring. Just one. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. one of them. Um, yeah. And Allie, Allison gets the letter jacket. Right. <laughs> and Brian gets going with his mom. <laughs> You get that really cool walk-off where Brander just walks the football field and just throws it up. So that's the iconic thing. That's, I'm saying if you haven't seen this that's movie... That's Silhouette, this is, man. There's no way you haven't seen this movie, or at least parts of... Like, people have taken things from this movie and used it in other movies, or even right. if it was just as a, a spoof 
or whatever. It's It's been copied. It's yeah. It's been quoted. <laughs> Which we'll cover in our rating, I guess. But that wraps right. up the movie itself. So I have a lot of trivia over this movie. Hey, if you want to hit us so, with some trivia. The fictional town of Shermer, Illinois. It's mm-hmm. featured in like every damn John Hughes movie. So <laughs> it's like its own little world. Uh-huh. Like Ferris Bueller's in there. Um, uh, 16 Candles. You have all these different movies that are just classic, classic movies. What else? Did They're I all in Shermer? Yeah. Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, National Lampoon's Vacation even. That's John Hughes? Yeah. Huh. I guess I didn't he wrote realize. For, he wrote for National Lampoon's for a bit. Okay. Well. That's how he got the Mr. Mom job. Mm-hmm. And it must be relatively close to Chicago because Ferris Bueller goes to Chicago for the day. Mm-hmm. And his parents or his dad is there for work. John so. Hughes is from Illinois, so. Yeah. Yay to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Woo. So one of the coolest things I saw was... John Cusack was supposed to be John Bender. It came down to him and uh, Judd Nelson. I couldn't see that. I don't. I don't think. Apparently, it was it was a done deal, and then John Hughes got cold feet because he featured John Cusack in a couple of his movies already. Hmm. But I guess his audition was amazing. I just don't think Bender would have turned out as the same character. I don't. I don't see John Cusack playing as hard of a character as Judd Nelson did. We will never know. I guess. Like, it's not fair to give him that, but John Cusack always seems to get, like, the awkward, uh, like, awkward characters. I don't know he's always how like to the, explain he's, it. He's like a, he's a relatable hero. Like, he's really relatable mm-hmm. in his movies. Especially during that time. That's why I think it was He's like the everyman. He's the everyman hero. It would have been hard to see him as that character. I could see that. I could see where you're coming from that. But apparently John Hughes really saw something in Judd Nelson. I guess his his audition was amazing. The mm-hmm. clothes that he wears for the movie are the clothes he auditioned in as the character. Nice. The whole outfit. Okay. Um, What else did I see that was really, really fun? There are hard feelings between John Hughes and Judd Nelson because of this movie. They've never worked to get together since, and I guess neither one have a good word to say about each other. Even in John Hughes's death, he didn't say anything good about Judd Nelson. So he liked him for the audition, but then didn't like him during the production? I guess he was just really hard to deal with. Judd Nelson took this movie really serious and stayed in character throughout everything. Even uh, he caused problems between him and Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. She hated him during production. Hmm. Um, what else did I read about him? He did, uh, he would go to like laundromats and stuff like that mm-hmm. as the John Bender character. They called the police on him. <laughs> That's, see, I don't know if I could deal with a method actor. That's too much. He also uh, was able to get in with a high school to prepare for the role as John Bender. How old was he when they filmed this? I mean, he... 23 or 24, maybe 25, 25. Maybe if it came out in 85, I the, could probably tell you. He really was the quick. oldest in the crew. I know that. Yeah. Let's see. The movie came out in 85 and he was born in 59. So he would have been 25, six, 
Well, depending uh, on his birthday. Yeah, it, the end of the year. So 25. Man, I still can't get over this picture of him. Well, like, I mean, he's got to be in his 60s, 70s. He is. Oh, 60s, not 70s. Yeah, he's 62, but still. And he was like kind of, I can't say a heartthrob, but he was a good looking guy in that movie. And then yeah. to, gosh. Drugs just, it, they hit him really hard. Yeah. Time takes a toll. And he's such a different character by the time you do uh, St. Elmo's Fire, which three of the people from that movie ended up in that mo- in St. Elmo's Fire. So, yeah. and that's all thanks to John Hughes. He's like, he recommended them. Who, let's see, Ali Sheedy made it into that. Uh-huh, Emilio and, Estevez. Emilio Estevez, yep. Yeah. But you have a lot of really cool things. There, there were so many people that auditioned for the Andrew part. Mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox, Jim Carrey, Tom Cruise, Matthew Broderick, and Rob Lowe. All auditioned for that and were in the final running for it. Originally, Emilio Estevez was going to be Bender, but they didn't have anybody to play Andrew, and they were like, man, Emilio Estevez is perfect for that role. I could see Emilio playing Bender. I could, too. I could see Rob Lowe playing Andrew. (laughs) I don't know about Jim Carrey. I feel like he would just be too... There's also a really big rumor about uh, Charlie Sheen, Emilio's brother, Mm -hmm. them playing opposite... Like one of them would play Bender and one of them would play Andrew, but they didn't want to do them both on screen together because Why? they were afraid it would ruin both their careers because they would have, it would have caused problems in Hollywood because they would have got put in a role together because they were brothers. Oh, whatever. Like <laughs> Hollywood's elite anyway. They can do what they want. But I mean, you had Charlie Sheen show up in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so they got him He anyway. did, yeah, for a second. So... Ali Sheedy came up with a lot of ideas to help this movie. He or she uh, said that Claire shouldn't eat anything but sushi because it's so upscale uh-huh. for that character. Uh, she recommended that the Claire character go and have fashion that is solely about the type of group she's a part of. Mm-hmm. So they took her to like a really upscale store that there was only one of in the United States. Oh. And got her outfit. Huh. She came up with the idea of putting Captain Crunch on the sandwich. Allie. Just so, just so it could be annoying when they, when she crunched into it. Man, I bet her mouth was never the same. You know how that, it tears it roof. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shredded. <laughs> <laughs> and I did read it. It was Pixie Six Sugar and Captain Crunch. Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, when they first started filming this movie, uh, Anthony Michael Hall was shorter than Judd Nelson. Uh-huh. By the time they wrapped, uh, he was an inch taller than Judd Nelson. <laughs> I guess it's really noticeable in the movie, too. Especially when you're looking at Andrew's clothes. They look like they've shrunk on him. Like, his the sleeves of his shirts are way shorter and all that. His pants look uh, taller. Well, and a lot of times movies aren't filmed chronologically. They'll do it out of no. order. So I bet it's you'll have to catch it through different parts. This of the movie. movie was actually shot in sequence. Uh huh. Which is like a rarity for some films. Oh yeah. But with this movie, they took a long time to get to it. Mm-hmm. So every scene, like they had it planned, they would just take too much time off. Uh huh. Come back, film, and I guess Anthony Michael Hall went through a 
like giant growth spurt. Like he was dating Molly Ringwald and they were doing photos together and all that. And During this movie? Yes. Oh. How old was he then? Same age as her. They were both uh, 16. Molly Ringwald actually turned. Huh? Came out in 68. So he was 17. Yeah, 16, 17. Right. Huh. <laughs> but Anthony Michael Hall had a lot of things to do with this movie too. He had insight on a lot of things that got done with the dialogue for the characters. So the only person that really like caused problems on the movie was Molly Ringwald. Uh-huh. Like Judd Nelson was just really into his character and he got hard to work with. But Molly Ringwald kept wanting to change things about people in the movie. And apparently there's like this big thing going on. And I guess the cast members have been asked not to talk about it anymore. Uh-huh. She wanted really badly to play uh, Allison. And John Hughes was like, no, that's not what you auditioned for first. Uh-huh. And he, he's like, you are Claire. Yeah. Like, I don't see you as anybody but Claire. Was anyone even in the running for that besides her? I feel like John Hughes, just something about Molly Ringwald, he... Yeah, he just... He, she became somebody, She became somebody that he loved having available. But I then guess. she ended up burning him in the end. And how so? Well, she stopped working about it and then she dumped on all those movies she did. Oh, well. Like, how can you take, like, your legacy and just burn it like that? She's the one that quit, act- quit acting and she's the one that turned down roles that could have made her a bigger star. That's on her. That's nobody else. Did she do that after he passed away, though? No. Our, John so he So he died. Yes. Uh, she did an interview, I guess it didn't come out for a while, but then she did an interview later too, where mm-hmm. she talked about how she didn't care about doing those movies anymore. She doesn't really like talking about them and she thinks they're disgusting to her. Like there's things she wishes she could have taken back about those movies. I'm like, Jesus well, Christ, those were like 30 years ago and you were a kid. I was I, like, technically he made her a star. Yeah, but I also feel like he had a weird obsession with her just because she was always in his movies, always playing... The pretty girl. Sorry, that was like a blah, blah, but the pretty girl. And I, I don't know. Not saying, I mean, I don't know if any allegations ever came about John Hughes, but. No, I don't um, think so. He did write 16 Candles solely about her. He had to use her as inspiration because he couldn't come up with an idea. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of weird that she ended up being like his muse and she was young. Right. And that's kind of weird. That's a little it weird. Is. Um, she was also born on your birthday, by the way. Yeah. February 18th. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool. She, um, well, like I said, she caused a lot of problems on the set. Mm-hmm. She also, I guess, is one of the ones that threatened to quit on the movie, which I don't understand why. Was this her first John Hughes movie? No. She did 16 Candles right before it. Okay. So she, knew- that's the movie that blew her up. 16 Candles? Yes. So, I don't know. I think that was just her, a, a weird power move to just show that she could. I mean, did why did she want to quit the movie? I guess I should ask that. If I had to guess, probably problems with her and Anthony Michael Hall because they were in a relationship, so I'm going to guess they were fighting on set. Maybe. I don't know. I think maybe it was a weird power move to 
just say she wanted to quit because she could. Right. Also, Ali Sheedy had a lot to do with things happening for the movie to help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she originally, I guess, tried out for 16 Candles and just missed out on it to Molly Ringwald. See, I could, after you see her made up outside of the Allison character. You can see it. You could see it. But John Hughes remembered her from her audition because I guess she had done a movie where she had to do a, like a really big time makeup test and it messed up her eyes and made them like look black. So she looked goth. Uh-huh. So he remembered that and that's why she got put in this movie. But you had, you had a lot of the cool things come out of this to where guys... And girls got put in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like Emilio Estevez solely got put in it because of the fact that John Hughes was a fan of Apocalypse Now, which <laughs> Martin Sheen's in that, which is Emilio's father. Uh huh. So, and Emilio's start was on the rise too. Mm-hmm. You know, he just done the Outsiders and stuff like that, so he was on his way. He was on the Outsiders. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a good movie! I love the Outsiders. Oh, that meant the Breakfast Club. I mean, I like it too. <laughs> and I didn't even know this. You know how we always talk about how Rick Moranis is like known for being in like good 80s movies? Uh-huh. And there's parts in movies like people don't realize that we're supposed to go to him, but scheduling conflicts always cost him. Mm-hmm. He was originally supposed to be Carl, the janitor. Yeah, I mean, Carl's character... It doesn't suit Rick Moranis. I could still, I mean, because his the part was so small. I feel like you could have substituted someone else there. Like they could have substituted. No, cause Jim Carrey wouldn't have been old enough at the time. We needed somebody older. Um, cause I know you said he tried out for Andrew, but I could see him doing the Carl part. If he were a little bit older. But yeah. Rick Moranis. I don't know. I'd mm-hmm. have to see it, but I think it'd be okay just because it's a small part. This is also one of the first movies to feature air Jordans. When I figured I'd put that out there. Jumps out of the shoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The original movie uh titles for these movies suck though. Uh, you had the lunch the lunch bunch and uh the library revolution. Oh my god. My gosh. I'm glad they canceled both those titles. Ooh, we could have been the retro revolution. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a song by the cult. Retro Revolution. Uh anything else? <laughs> fun about the movie that you want to share quickly before we wrap up maybe we can do like one more yeah i'm you just i've read so many cool things about ali sheedy she's the one that came up with putting the david bowie titles or david bowie lyrics at the beginning of the movie and she also is the one that the album she's looking at in the uh, the library mm-hmm. it's 1999 by prince oh. because she was already thinking that they were going to do a um sequel Oh. Every 10 years, the Breakfast Club would get back together. I guess that was also a plan. Oh, uh-huh. And it got it got squashed because, obviously, Judd Nelson and John Hughes were never going to work again, together again. Right. Well, and I don't know. I don't really want a, a sequel on that, you know? it's No. It was them in high school. You don't want to see what comes... I, I don't want to see what comes after that because it's like you'd lose the magic of... Right, you don't want to see them as the adults. You like seeing the youthful part. It keep that's what keeps them special. Yeah, like seeing John Bender as somebody probably jumping in out of jail and stuff like that wouldn't be cool. Right, because you kind of see where their life's going, and that's 
I think that's also the magic and the tragedy behind John Hughes movies is that in the moment, these seem like life altering things to these kids, but really it's not really, it's not going to change their trajectory in life that much. No. One Saturday in detention. Oh, one thing I do got to squash really fast. Uh huh. The big thing that people say about this movie is the scenes between Maya Ringwald and Judd Nelson are real. Mm-hmm. She was going to school at the time and had in in where they were filming. Mm-hmm. You had to show up on school grounds to be able to get your classes uh, completed and things like that. Uh-huh. So the scenes that Judd Nelson does with her character are actually her double. So he wasn't doing anything with anybody underage. Oh, I'm sure. Obviously, they're not going to show a 15, 16 year old's crotch on TV. Right. Also, you had to do a lot of things with child labor laws. Mm-hmm. So, Anthony Michael Hall so and many hours her could only, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, we can wrap it up and rate it now if you want. I am so ready to rate. <laughs> All right. The first thing we're going to rate it on is rewatch. The rewatch. Why do I feel like okay. wiggity wiggity rewatch? I'm going to give that one a five. I'll give it a five. I I, I really like the movie. It's uh, it's always been a movie I've thought of as just being fun. I may uh, okay. I'll take it down and give it a four because like I can watch it, but I can't watch it a ton back to back. Like it's like a once yeah. a year movie. Maybe yeah. maybe a four point five. I'll, I'll give it a, it a four. <laughs> just, it's not one that I turn on all the time, but when it right. is on, I'm just like, mm. And sometimes yeah, I even put it on as background noise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 4.5. I'll go with that. Yeah, it's still good, but not something to watch all the time. Yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, Breakfast Club. <laughs> no, that's, that's completely understandable. And the next thing we'll rate it on is its legacy. So, kind of just what it's left behind i, I suppose i think it's pretty pretty what big spawned um i'll give it another 4.5 i don't know if i can give it a 5 because i think it will start waning after time i really i don't know i think it's definitely one of a kind there's not a lot of other movies that tackle what that movie did i think and real issues no, not necessarily just like in that setting. Like, of course, there's other movies where it's friends coming together or people with differences that end up finding a way to mesh together in the end. But I don't know. I don't think it spawned a ton of movies like that. But now it, it I feel like a lot of people do take from the movie, though. Yeah, it's definitely been borrowed from. Oh, it, for comedies, for other serious movies, it's it's mentioned just casually. I can't think of an example, but you know there are other people who are like... Right, it influenced a lot of music too. Mm-hmm. So maybe, okay, because I was actually going to give it like a three because I couldn't... I feel like it is a good movie, but I didn't know how lasting its legacy was. But honestly, people use it a lot as fodder for new movies and stuff right so, so i'm I, I think of a four, a four another four and the last thing we're gonna rate it on is uh oh um i don't even <laughs> oh my gosh we rated it on uh 
Did we do it out of order? No. Oh, just like the look, the soundtrack, yeah. the feel of the movie? Soundtrack's definitely a five. It's got a great soundtrack. Well, it's got the the main song that was... I don't know if it was written for the movie, but... It was. Don't You Forget About don't Me. Don't you dun, 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 dun. forget about <laughs> me. Which was supposed to be done by Billy Idol, but he turned it down. Because John Hughes was a huge Billy Idol guy. I could see him singing that. <laughs> Cause the guy that sings it from Simple Minds. Mm-hmm. He just sings it like Billy Idol. Yeah. And this is a movie I really don't want to see redone unless it's something silly like in Family Guy or American Dad or something. Uh, I yeah, don't want to see this fine. movie redone just because the feel of it. You can't recapture that. I feel like. No, I don't think you can remake it either. No, there's too much that you couldn't do today. Like I said, with the gun. Uh, the underage sex. You yes. can't do a lot of that stuff. You can't do the principal threatening a kid. No. There's just a lot that wouldn't fly. Right. Know? So, um, but yeah, it's, I I just feel like it's one of a kind and can't be redone in the way that it was done. It was perfect for its era. First Time is one of the most unique movies there are. And I think as far as like the shots go for it, Mm-hmm. It feels it feels like an everyday day in detention. Yeah. <laughs> as stupid as I just made that sound, that's what it feels like. Well, that's I, I'm okay with it being a slow burn because you kind of feel it dragging the way that the kids well, it do. But be. it's but it's not like it's not entertaining or something. It it's still entertaining, but you kind of feel just this sluggish with the kids right man is this ever gonna end (laughs) and that was really that's what was something i guess that was really hard for the studios to get behind they wanted it to be like every party movie that there was set in high school right to hear that it's a a movie based on high school kids and it's the most boring thing you could possibly think of for a high school the first thing i guess one of the first things asked by the studio was there's no nudity in this (laughs) they're really confused about the script Especially when he explained what it was going to be about. I wonder if that's why the crotch shot made it in. They're like, we need something. Something. And they had her do her lipstick with her boobs. I mean, she doesn't show anything, but obviously it's a cleavage shot. Right. Her shoving her face in her own boobs. Fine. Um, Yeah. Uh, Did I give it a number then? I'm going to... I'll give it a five on that one. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a five. Just the look and the music so and the feel 5, of it. Four point five, five and a four. I'm not doing math. Just, <laughs> overall, four point five. Overall, I would give it a four. It is a good movie. It is. It can be hard to watch now today, just especially for people that are so damn sensitive. Mm. Like, <laughs> this is a movie that people would burn at the stake if they'd never seen it before. Don't know anything about that that time, that period, mm-hmm. or just anything about what was going on. People are so quick to jump on things without any like real knowledge of it or history. I mean, I can I like a movie or I can like something at a certain time period and then later acknowledge the fact that what they did wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. I can do that, but um the movie's still I still enjoy the movie. I understand there are parts of it that aren't okay now, but overall I like it. Yeah. So I mean for It'd be really hard for people to hate this movie, but like things like the all these movies and shows about serial killers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the History Channel does nothing but stuff about Adolf Hitler <laughs> to where it's an obsession with people. 
that the breakfast club's not okay come on i don't know come on people pick and choose pick and choose this this was a fun movie to talk about though i was really happy we picked this one Mm-hmm. yeah as far as retro goes this this is one of the most retro movies there are right we could not talk about it when we got our name right. our name was inspired by the movie heavily so. and that's gonna wrap up this week's episode very much very much so so tune in next week and check out this snippet this little sneak peek of the movie we're talking about next week which we keep hinting at and man that it's this is finally our, one of here our favorite movies too so <laughs> enjoy this check it out bye bye next week on the retro club you know it's gonna be a good movie when it opens with that. <laughs> um, I could watch that movie any time of the year. It's the best Thanksgiving movie there is. I know it is a Thanksgiving movie, but <laughs> I do watch it like anytime. It's just because it's a fun movie. <laughs> I popped oh! your daughter's trunk. <laughs> popped your daughter's trunk. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Dad, man. He He was funny. They used the freaking bad guy from Mighty Ducks and made him the dad in that movie. (laughs) He's still a douche. Hey, crotch. (laughs) Hey, crap. (laughs) I don't even know what else he calls him. Oh, I'm sure it's something else with a C word. Mixing and music by Kelsey Ingram. Cover art is by Megan Harris. Research is by John and Megan Harris. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Slasher at RetroClubPod. Or visit our website at RetroClubPod.com for episode information and more. You can listen to the Retro Club on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and more. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe, or we'll find you.